Production. Recorded live. What is up? Field Street Forum Radio is on the air. Happy day after Z-Day, y'all. Samir White commits to the dogs. Recruiting is picked up. How does Georgia carry this momentum forward? Is this just the start of things to come for Georgia? It's really shaping up that way. We'll talk about recruiting. We'll talk football. Whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, The Real Dre. Probably going solo for the first little bit here. Jason Brazel has something else going on. Jason Harry Dog. Um, we got tons of recruiting news to talk about. All kinds of things. Um, of course, we have to start, again, like I said, with Zeus committing to Georgia, the number one running back in the country. Commits to the dogs, of course, even though it was seemingly a lock for Georgia yesterday, I know myself, I know several other Georgia fans were still kind of anxious, I guess you could say. I guess Georgia fans have kind of become conditioned here over the years to uh, to borrow from Big Brother as it starts tonight, uh, to expect the unexpected when it comes to recruiting and announcements. Uh, when it comes to the Bulldogs, it's, it's gotten to to the point of being very frustrating now at many times. But, uh, you know, the kid hung true to his word. He apparently had told Kirby and, and the coaching staff that, you know, he was he was coming to Georgia, you know, a month ago. He, he even told – I believe it was Centel did a great job on from the Dog Nation AJC page, which – you don't hear that very often. Not Centel himself, but the AJC doing a good job. But anyway, you know, I think he told Centel that uh, he was basically Georgia had been his leader since the ninth grade, um, you know, which is strong considering Georgia's gone through a, a coaching change in that time. Uh, it's not his home state school. In fact, his home state school came in, ended up coming in third when it's all said and done. Alabama came in second, but Georgia finished a strong heavy favorite over Alabama even in, in this in this race. Uh, I believe he said it was about 75% of what Georgia was is what he kind of compared Alabama to. Um, you have to chalk up, you know, the recruiting job that, that Kirby did, that Coach Del McGee did. Uh, I would assume maybe Brian McClendon initially would be the main recruiter for him a couple of years ago. Uh, You have to give Sam Pittman a lot of credit because one of the key things that Zeus said made a difference to him was when he looked around and saw all those big, big monsters, basically, that he would be running behind. I just... uh, you know, he, he saw the big offensive linemen walking around, guys, recruits that were coming in, and he knew it was time, you know, it was a it was a place he could make a name for himself, you know, and continue his push to become a, a, an elite running back. You know, if you've got the proper, the, the right offensive line, you don't have to have a, a 
you don't have to be a extreme, an elite level running back to have a, a good solid career. If you can combine a great offensive line and an elite running back, you know that's when you can have a huge difference maker. Um, so it's it's a huge day, and and I know a lot of people don't get into recruiting. I saw that plenty yesterday after an article I wrote for Field Street Forum uh, talking about was this the biggest day in Kirby Smart's tenure? And I guess I should have added so far because I think a lot of people thought I was saying ever in his career, going forward, going back, whatever. That That's not the case at all. Um, I just meant to this point, it, is this the biggest week for Kirby Smart because of Zamir White? committing or announcing um, because of Stefan Wynn announcing on Saturday. At the time, there was a potential announcement that was maybe would have supposed to have come today. Uh, the kid ended up holding off until a later time. But also, there's tons of chatter out there about Justin Fields. We've been hearing about it. People kind of saying things are heading this way for Georgia and things are heading this way for Florida State. Now there's some talk that Auburn is is making a big push. You know, I think it's – but I think in the long run, I think Georgia is is the favorite right now for for Justin Fields, which, y'all, if if we can get that kid to come on board, I think it opens up the the door for a lot of other kids that want to come in and and play with a kid like Justin Fields. He's a – he just draws with his magnetism off the field. I'm not even talking about his talent on the field. His, the way he draws kids in off the field and, and good friends with a lot of the, you know, big-time players in the state and around the southeast, you know, he's going to be a big-time draw for other kids that want to come to Georgia. And it's also a calming effect on – and I'm talking about just 2018, but it also has a calming effect on that 2019 team because you're kind of hearing some chatter of, you know, maybe – Maybe some some changes coming for the 2019 kids committed right now. If, if things don't, or if things stay the same, or if, if somebody if if you don't bring in a Justin Fields, if, if Fields comes in, it calms all of that talk, uh, brings it down to you know keeps it status quo where it is right now, and also a ton of kids for next year will will see what's happening on the field and happening in recruiting and seeing kids like Fields come in, come aboard, kids like Zamir White come aboard, and they're going to want to play with those kind of kids. So getting Fields on board, you know, I I don't want to overstate it, but I I do think it would be a a massive piece of the puzzle for Kirby going forward as as far as building this program up to where it needs to be. Um, You know, what do you guys think on, you know, Zamir White? I, I, am I overstating the the immenseness of, of bringing in a kid like a Zamir White and, and potentially Justin Fields and Stephon Wynn? You know, if, you know, let me know. Give me a call seven two four 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 seven four four four. Then enter the call ID one two seven four six seven pound or hashtag depending on your age, most likely. I don't know what you call it. Um, but yeah, Jason will be calling in in a little bit, most likely. Uh, I had some stuff going on, so I'll be rolling, rolling solo here for the first little bit. Um, but this is a, a big week 
for Georgia, in in my opinion. Um, not only Zamir White yesterday, uh, Stefan Wynn is going to announce on Saturday his final list of kids uh, or of, of uh, schools: Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina. I believe are his main final three, anyway. Um, you know, big time defensive end, two two hundred eighty five pounds. Can he? Will they slide him inside? Uh, you know, if he adds much more weight, or they they may keep him on that at the defensive end spot. I don't know. Um, you know, it seems like Clemson was actually. The second, you know, favored with the crystal ball on two four seven, but you know, Georgia is is the favorite going into it, and you know that's going to be Georgia's got to start replenishing that defensive line. You you got to imagine guys like Trenton Thompson could be heading out early next year. Guy like Jonathan Ledbetter, if he has a strong season this year, could potentially head out and, and declare for the draft for his and skip his senior year. Um, there are guys there, obviously, but, you know, you just got to maintain that depth, that quality of depth coming into the program at all levels, at all positions. And uh, and defensive line is, is a huge key. Line of scrimmage, that's how teams like Alabama, that's how even, you know, Clemson had probably the best player in college football in Deshaun Watson the last couple of years. But you know what? The, a very underrated uh, characteristic or, or, or proponent of, of their program that led them to a national championship last year was the line of scrimmage, both offensive line and defensive line. They brought in a – they had a very strong pass rush um, and used some young guys, as a matter of fact, too, in, in that case. I think a lot of those guys are back this year along the defensive line. Um, you know, they replaced guys like, you know, of course, Vic Beasley and uh, shoot the other defensive linemen that the Falcons picked up as well uh, from Clemson and, and re- replaced both of those guys and, and upgraded. Maybe not upgraded, but you did. they didn't miss a beat, you know, when those guys left. And that's what it takes to, you know, because you're constantly going to be rotating classes. You know, kids are going to be graduating. Kids are going to be, you know, transferring out. You're not always going to be – 100% on your evaluations on kids and kids aren't going to improve or take strides at the next level that you think they may. So you've constantly got to be bringing in talent and that's that's where Georgia is right now. They've got to increase the talent. Kirby's always, he said from the beginning, got to get bigger, got to get more talented and improve the depth everywhere across the program. You know, you do that so you don't you don't only don't miss a beat when you bring in a substitution in a game, your program doesn't miss a beat from year to year. You know, look at you look at Alabama. Every year you you see them lose guys to the NFL or guys graduate, and it's like, all right, is this the year they fall off? No, they they've constantly got five stars, four stars coming in to replace them, and then their three stars that come in are guys that have a high ceiling that maybe aren't capped out or maxed out in high school and, and are able to take major strides ahead. 
you know, to play at that level of, of a championship caliber level where you play, your biggest competition is against yourself, where you, your competition, your, your biggest challenge is to play at an elite level, play as good as the person in front of you. Um, that's where Georgia's got to get to, and that's, that's kind of where I think they may be headed. Uh, they are certainly there at the running back position. You know, that's one thing that that Zamir White mentioned was the fact that, you know, he thinks he feels like he truly has a good chance to, to get a, a good amount of quality playing time next year, if not starting, because Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle are, are heading – will graduate and be heading to the NFL next year. Uh, you still got Elijah Holyfield. You still got Brian Herrien. Um, you've got DeAndre Swift, who I think is is could be kind of a undervalued, maybe not undervalued is the right word, but just a, a, a guy that's going to come in and, and really take other teams by surprise. They're going to be surprised with his elusiveness, surprised with his versatility that he brings to the to the field. Um, so next year, heading into next year, Zamir White's going to be coming in. True freshman with two juniors and a sophomore ahead of him. I guess Elijah is probably a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, so who knows? And Georgia's looking to bring in a second running back in this class. Now, we did find out today. Initially, we kind of thought, well, Harold Joyner out of Alabama, one of the top ten running backs in the country, also had – Let's see. As of last week, Harold Joyner had LSU as his leader and Georgia's second. All right. LSU has since gotten a commitment from a third running back in their recruiting class. So Harold Joyner dropped LSU from his list of contenders. Even though they were his top contending or top contending team, he dropped them. He didn't like, I guess, the situation set up for him. So that automatically, you know, kind of would have assumed that uh, Georgia would be his next favorite. You know, well, lo and behold, Zamir White commits. Uh, he talks to reporters and tells them that, hey, look, uh, I'm going to eliminate Georgia as well. So now his top two teams that he had in his final cut of schools are now eliminated because they have added more players. Now, I don't know about you, it's, that could either signal one of two things. Either A, you may not may make some other co- coaches and other coaches kind of reconsider where they place Harold Joyner in their list of, of top running backs that they want to have. Because if you're not wanting to come in and compete against other guys, I don't care where you go. I don't care where you go, what school you go to, even whatever school. There's going to be guys that are – if not better than you, they're going to be just as good as you are, especially if this kid's thinking SEC. He's in the state of Alabama. He should realize if he just looks in Tuscaloosa alone, they've had Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, uh, Derrick Henry, you know, Kamara at one time. Uh, I mean, it's just the list goes on and on. But yet, that's kind of where the game has gone. You want to bring in, you want to have another 
you know, guy that's just as good as you are at, at your position at running back, especially because you don't want to carry the ball 30 times anymore unless it's a, something absolutely necessary or you're just in such a zone to where you're rushing for over 200 yards on 30 carries. You don't want to burn up all your – wear off all the tread on your tires in high school and college. You want to, to get the most bang for your buck, obviously, in the NFL. I mean, that's most of these kids' ultimate goal is to try to get to the NFL. If you're a Harold Joyner, I don't know why you would want to carry the ball, you know, you know, 30 times a game for 140 yards and three or four yards a carry and, and things like that, you know? I mean, it's just a different era now, man. So it's something that you, you really have to question if, if, you, if he is – you know, is it a selfishness thing? Is it if if he just thinks he's that much better? Is he going to be the kind of team player that you want to have in your program? Is he or is he not wanting to compete with a bunch of other studs that are coming on the onto the team as well? You know, it, you're going to have to compete, man. So get out there and do it as, as soon as you can. Go somewhere that you can you can learn from the best that you can. Position yourself best for your career if that's what you want to do. If if you're good enough, you'll go. But you don't want to burn it up. To me, in my opinion, and again, it's very, you know, non-expert level, non-scientific, whatever you want to call it, I I think running backs have X number of carries in them from the time they start playing till their last, you know, last touch in the NFL, if that's or whenever your last touch is. That once you hit a certain point, there is no getting it back. There is no turning your turning it back around. You just got a certain number. If it's eight thousand touches, then so be it. After eight thousand and one, you're never going to be any better. You're never going to get it back to to that high end level. Whether you're at twenty eight, whether you're at thirty two, thirty six. How you know? I mean, Adrian Peterson, I think, is what thirty five. It may have been a you know not the surgery itself, but having that year off, or I guess a couple of years off now in his career, may have ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise to extend his career. You know, again, the the surgery itself, don't get me wrong, is is not a blessing, but the just the the lack of contact, the lack of carries, and getting hammered on in games is, is it may end up extending his career two or three years. Um, but yeah, so you know Georgia is going to look to add a second running back to this class. Um, it's not going to be Harold Joiner now. I, I'm 98% certain of that now. Um, you know Cook is still the one that everybody's really hoping for. That would really be <laughs> just an amazing. Amazing uh, a get for Georgia to be able to bring a kid like that in. Excuse me, bring a kid like that in after getting the commitment of of Zamir White. He already knew. I won't say he knew Zamir White was coming to Georgia, but he knew that uh, he was he was seriously considering Georgia. Uh, of course, talking about James Cook. 
Um, he's a, you know, Florida State commit right now, but there's been a ton of talk of Georgia really pushing him, um, giving him a lot to think about, you know, to, to come to Athens as well. You know, I, I don't know. If that's if that's something they can pull off, that is going to be a major coup in Del McGee's in Del McGee's cap, and, and you know what? He's being rewarded for it as well. He just picked up a big uh, new contract extension, I guess, or, or raise, I guess you could say, for him to uh, you know for the job that he has done in Athens. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, Jason was certainly right on that, that Del McGee would be a big-time a big time boost for the program. And uh, so far, he, he has been absolutely right on that, when a lot of people were certainly questioning it. Um, you know, so I don't know. It's just something – if Georgia can bring in two top five-level running backs like Cook and White, I, I – that may be the the top duo heading into college from high school, potentially, that of any two running backs coming in coming into Georgia. Um, and you got to got to give a ton of credit to to Del McGee. He has he has come in and busted his ass from day one, and he's put his. There was a you know a lot of people you know forget he was the head coach over in Columbus of the high school that basically banned Georgia from coming to recruit his kids because of the way they, they ended up treating, so to speak, one of his uh, quarterbacks, one of his players. And he, he was – honestly, he was right. If you don't know the truth, though, Jordan, the uh, previous staff, the Rick staff, kind of dropped the ball on uh, – his quarterback, I can't remember his name right off, but, uh, you know, they, they kind of dropped the ball with him, kind of left him hanging there waiting on a on an offer, and, and it didn't happen. And uh, so, you know, McGee's put that behind him. Georgia put that behind him. Kirby came in and, and realized a need after Del McGee went to Georgia Southern. Did a, you know seem to be a real good job do a real good job down in Statesboro, and uh, Kirby brought him on saw the potential I don't know if he I'm guessing he knew him from the high school days knew of you know kind of his enthusiasm and and love for the game and the abilities that he brings to the field and to the recruiting table and uh, you know so far spot on and, and good job by Kirby to to have capitalized on that. Um, so that would be a huge, huge boost for Georgia to, to kind of, again, elevate the level of talent at the running back position after you're losing a Nick Chubb and a, a, a Sony Michelle, two of the top backs in, in Georgia history, you know, two of the most heralded backs coming into Georgia as well. You know that that boosts your talent right back up to to the A level, to a championship type of level, at the running back spot. Wide receiver, that's that's one that 
maybe took a little bit of clarity today, possibly. I don't, or maybe not clarity today, but it's getting. There's a lot of kids out there that Georgia could really add that could could boost up the program. Uh, I know Kiaris Jackson kind of dropped a list today with a top eight, and in no order. He's got Michigan, Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and FSU. Um, that was, I guess he's out at the opening now. He released that on Twitter. And you have to kind of, you have to kind of like Georgia's chances here, I think. Uh, if they can add him, big-time playmaker, they need to elevate the wide receiver position period. And I don't mean just that. They've got to elevate the position to a championship level to where, you know, I don't know how kids that are playmakers that, you know, wide receivers are such typically are not lacking for confidence. Um, Like if you were to tell a receiver, you're going to have one-on-one coverage at least 60, 70% of the time, would you take that chance? Would would that be a position that you would you would like your chances every time? Most of them would say yes. Yeah. So if you have a running game like Georgia with with a this year with a Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and and you know the guys all mentioned Harry and Holyfield and Swift, then you bring in a Zamir White, potentially James Cook, potentially you know a, a Pierce maybe out of out of Southwest Georgia, um, you bring in running backs like that with at least two five-star quarterbacks to get you the ball. Potentially three five-star quarterbacks if you can if uh, Fields pulls the trigger. Potentially three five-star quarterbacks if we miss on Fields, we could bring in a Matt Coral to come in and be the third. Five, fifth star or five star quarterback to get the ball to wide receivers with one on one coverage most likely because of a running game with the stable of backs that we have, along with an offensive line consisting of elite talent, massive talent, an Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas, Notori Johnson. Uh, it's just, you know, potentially a Jamari Sawyer and a Trey Hill coming in. Potentially. You know, not to mention some of the kids that are on campus already, and you know, a Solomon Kindley or a, um, a Pat Allen has been taking strides. Uh, ben Cleveland, you know, just big massive kids for to protect the quarterback to give him extra give him an extra half second give him an extra full second for that receiver to get out there and get open that's got to be the pitch i think georgia goes to these receivers come in and be that kid that elevates the position at georgia gets it back to an aj green type level gets it back to a muhammad massaqua type level you know, gets it back to a, a Terrence Edwards type of level. You know, SEC, you know, best wide receiving candidates. You know, 
best receivers in college football in an AJ Green type of type of situation. You know, Karis Jackson, um, Marquez Ezard is another you know kid that needs to realize it. Dominic Watt is a very underrated friend of mine, uh, Brian from here in in in, Brun- in uh, Glen County. Um, Message me today talking about how much he really likes Dominic Watts' film. Uh, really feels like he could be a difference maker for Georgia. I've, you know, I've read everybody's read the things that he said from uh, was it Indianapolis, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, saying he wanted to hear from Georgia more. He really likes Georgia, but he's not hearing as much from Georgia. Does that give you a clue that maybe Georgia feels comfortable with where they are with some of these receivers, like a, a Jackson and a? Uh, and an Ezard, and maybe a, a Jalen, um, I think it's Jalen, I can't remember his last name, but uh, he's 6'5 out of IMG, that receiver. You know, do they feel comfortable with, with those guys so that they feel like they don't need to? Or uh, Josh Van has been kind of, you know, oscillating back and forth between Georgia and South Carolina. You know, is that is that is Georgia going to win out there? and bring that kid in to be, you know, a third wide receiver. I think we're taking at least three receivers this year. Jalen Jones, I believe, is that kid. Uh, 6'5". Just uh, would be a big-time get for for Georgia. You know, I know he's only a three-star, but I I love getting those long receivers like that. Excuse me, Jalen Jordan. Uh, six foot five, two ten already. He runs a four six three forty, um, but it's, it's hard to just teach six foot five. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you, um, especially with with the potential running back quarterbacks that we have getting him the ball. You know, um, with and and then another thing for these wide receivers to think about. You've got the best group of tight ends in the conference, certainly, to take pressure away from you on the outside. And it opens up things over the middle for you. The tight end can, can bring that draw that safety down. Tight end can, you know, draw coverage from the linebackers underneath to open up, you know, crossing patterns and things like that. It's just so much potential there for some wide receivers to come in to the program and have opportunities to sit there and, and be a be a star, man. I'm telling you, with with the potential of everything's there for a wide receiver. Everything is there for this offense to be and play at an elite level this year and going into 18 season. It's all there for a receiver to come in and be a playmaker and and get to that elite level. I don't, I don't know why it's such a – what the holdup is on, on receivers to make that – to take to take that challenge. You know, I just – I don't know why it is that it's been difficult bringing in kids like that. You know, we've got the history of A.J. Green, the kids I mentioned, Massaquad, you know, Reggie Brown and Marlon Brown and, you know, Terrence Edwards. I mean, it's – there is some history of, of – Georgia having, you know, some really good wide receivers. Um, you know, so if that's if, 
somebody's got to take the challenge, and I don't know, I don't know who it's going to be or, or why it's taking so long to get somebody in, but it's time to get the talent on the field to go with the other talent that we have to, to surround them. I mean, it's pretty much a, it's pretty much it's legitimately the thing that's banned in, by the NCA for some dumb reason, the missing man recruiting pitch, you know, where they have a, you know, the center snapping the ball to the quarterback and the quarterback looking back to hand off the ball and he's looking for, and then he says, oh, it's you, you know, kind of thing to the running back that they're making the pitch to. Well, it's literally the missing man is the receiving core. You know, Holloman's got a great chance to, to come in and take some strides. Um, you know, Wims has a chance to come in and, and be a player there for us. Um, Ridley has a great chance. You know, we saw flashes from him, but we've got to get that consistency. We've got to elevate the entire group as a whole. And uh, someone's, like I said, someone is literally the missing man for Georgia at the wide receiver spot. And, um, you know, if they if they could just get somebody to, to jump in and jump aboard, you know, it's, it's all waiting there for them, folks. Uh, give me one second here. Um, but those out there listening, you know, give me a call. 724-444-7444. Then enter the call or show ID 127-467, hashtag, or pound. And, uh, you know, let me know what you think. What 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 are your thoughts on where this – Recruiting class is going. Has your perception changed? Has your perception changed of this 2018 class? We're sitting, I think last, before Tuesday, we were like number 65 or something like that, something ridiculous like that. With Zamir committing, it moves us up to 55. But, you know, with all the chatter that's going on and, you know, behind you know, people are talking about certain people hear things. There's certain people you have to kind of trust and listen to on, on things. You know, any dolt can get on a message board or get on a blog and, and talk about what he knows and what he heard and everything. But there's certain people that you listen to and you realize, yeah, there, there's some there's some stuff churning in the water for Georgia that's really boosting up momentum. And, uh, yes, recruiting in June does matter, you know, those that don't believe me. But, uh, you know, the thing is, if Georgia can build on this momentum, seize this momentum, this class, I mean, guys we've talked to, guys I've talked to, it's, man, it's really, it could really boost up to another massively talented top three level class again if things fall, if things break a certain way. Um you could have four or five five stars in this class. And, it, it, you know, it would be such a boost to the Georgia program, such a boost to, to Kirby and his reputation. Um, to be able to follow up last year's recruiting class with another top three level or top three caliber class. When, especially when going into this year's class, I think a lot of people – we're pretty much saying, all right, let's get Zeus. Let's get 
Sawyer and let's get, you know, maybe a Trey Hill or, uh, you know, Stephon Wynn, one of these big defensive linemen, maybe a linebacker, you know, a high-end, high-level linebacker. We get that, fine, everything else will be gravy. Well, now, after Zamir White, pop, check, you got that. Now you're starting to get all the talk and everything of, of other things with Fields, who he could open doors, you know, things for that really kids want to come play with a kid like with a kid like him, a quarterback like him, at a place like Georgia. That's what I'm. That's what I'm, I don't want people to think I'm just basing the whole recruiting class on a Fields or on a certain a certain uh, player. It is still coming to play for the University of Georgia. But you're going to be to be playing at Georgia with a player like a Justin Fields or Matt Coral. Even it opens up things to players that you don't you aren't even you know that normally wouldn't be coming to Georgia. Um, that's you know that's what it boils down to. If if Georgia can kind of uh, you know get this thing. Locked in, it changes the whole perception of the class to where instead of, like I said, just thinking of, okay, this class is all Zamir White and everything else is gravy. Well, now it's, you know, Sawyer and Hill, maybe K.J. Henry, maybe a, you know, a Justin Fields, maybe a James Cook. That wasn't, that wasn't even in people's thought process a month ago. Um Maybe a Micah Parsons is even a possibility right now. I mean that. I mean, Jason always bags on me about uh, always thinking everybody's coming to Georgia. I, I don't think that. I just always get a feeling from some recruits, and I haven't always hit it. But this year, you know, I'd mentioned Micah Parsons a while back, and he's like, "Oh, this is Drayton's uh, CC Jefferson." That's the one that he always likes to to uh, base it on, I guess, because I thought. I thought I believed in our boy Pruitt. I thought he was going to be able to maybe reel him in. Didn't happen, but you know what? I still like Pruitt. <laughs> and uh, but I think you know Georgia could have a chance with somebody like a Micah Parsons, even. Um, you know, it's something. Something could. This class could end up being special to achieve that immense talent of last year's class and they could they could possibly beat last year's, you know, star rating or whatever. I know people don't believe in stars a lot of times, but the thing is if, if <laughs> it's kinda like, you know, dating back in the day, you, you throw out enough get enough phone numbers, eventually one of these girls will be dumb enough to go out with you at one point. Um you get enough five stars, four stars into your campus, onto your, onto into school. Eventually, you're going to hit one that takes you to a national championship. Take, get you one that brings in a Heisman Trophy. Get one that elevates your program up to the level, to a championship level. You know, you got to bring in the talent, no matter how good of a coach you are. And I think Kirby, Tucker, Pittman, I even think Cheney are all damn good coaches. I really do. But if you don't have just talent upon talent upon talent to work with, you know, it it makes your job a lot tougher because 
the Alabamas of the world, the Auburns of the world, you know, even the Floridas of the world have been having classes like that when Muschamp was there at Florida. Um, you know, you got to give credit to, you know, old McElwain. He, he has done very well with what he has had. He, he, his defense has carried him. He, but Georgia's got to close that gap, got to get over that hump of Florida and just change that, that whole series. And, it, and if everything I've said up to this point, recruiting, um, this kid coming in, that kid coming in, you know, if we bring in a fields that could open up other doors, if other kids are going to other schools because they don't think Georgia can do it, if Georgia just has the kind of season that we expect them to have this year, have an SEC East Championship level season, go into Notre Dame and get a big win at Notre Dame on national television at night in South Bend, get to Atlanta and challenge for the SEC Championship, show that the the program is on the uprise that we truly believe that it is and could be. It doesn't matter. These kids are still going to come to Georgia no matter you know, no matter who is there. You know, what Georgia shows on the field this year under Kirby Smart, under Mel Tucker, under, you know, Jim Chaney, plays as big a role in recruiting as any recruiting pitch they could make, any commitment they could get, any signee they could get, what they do on the field this year more than most more than most years really will play a huge role in who ends up coming to Athens in 2018 and also in 2019. It's just a, it's a pivotal year for Georgia and Kirby Smart, period. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Kirby this year, but I think he is up to the challenge. The kid, the guy, the kid, the guy is up for, you know, he, he's a tireless worker, tireless recruiter. He leaves no stone unturned. I, I just hope he's, able to not micromanage his, his assistants, um, allow them and trust them to do their job, to fulfill the job that he hired them to do, and just see these results on the field that, that we want to see, that we know we can see with Georgia. You know, a lot of times now, you know, it's not a guarantee, but a lot of times the best year for a coach you know, the kind of make-or-break year for a coach is that sophomore year, is that second year in the job. You know, you look at a Stoops at Oklahoma, you look at Rick at Georgia, he had a, you know, solid, what, eight and four first year, that second year, potentially, maybe, should have, played for a national championship. You know, won the SEC, had his best team of the Mark Rick there, I would guess you you would have to say. I mean, they won the SEC. They won. They got to the Sugar Bowl, won the Sugar Bowl. They again, if not for a one drop pass in Jacksonville, may have been undefeated. I don't know. If, I don't know at that time if the national media would have allowed the SEC. You know, it was before that big run of of the SEC schools winning national championships. I don't know if. Georgia would have been able to vault over 
an Ohio State and a Miami that year. Um, you know, I think Miami at that time, that was still Ken Dorsey and those guys. That would have been, you know, I think they were considered the runaway favorites, and Ohio State kind of pulled off the upset with a little help from the officials in the, in the uh, I don't even remember what bowl, what, Orange Bowl or Fiesta Bowl or the other. But anyway, I don't know if at the time the media would have voted Georgia in to the first or second slot. I think we would have been third, would have been undefeated and either not had a chance to win a national championship, not not have a chance to play for a national championship. You know, I don't know if that if at that time in that environment, if the SEC would have if they would have voted the SEC in. Um, but again, get you know, get back to the point of second year. You know, Saban had the six and six years first year in Tuscaloosa. Yes, Nick Saban went six and six his first year. Second year, they went undefeated until the SEC championship game, but you saw where they were headed. You saw that Nick Saban was building or rebuilding a monster in Tuscaloosa. And you saw that they were ready to play with anybody anywhere at any time and challenge the monster in Florida with Tebow at that time in a battle of undefeateds in Atlanta for the SEC championship. You know, they came up short that year, but guess what? Ever since then, they've pretty much been the beast in college football. That's where Kirby is at at this point in his in his young young coaching career. The good thing is the Stoops and the Briggs, you know, and others, it doesn't matter, really matter as far as experience you had prior to that. It's just your, what you're doing in that current job. And that second year, you know, obviously Saban had, been, had done big things at Michigan State, Kent State, Michigan State, uh, and then, of course, LSU won a national championship as well. But in his second year, even though he had that experience, you saw his second year was his big jumping-off point. Rick, no experience, head coaching experience prior to that. Stoops, no head coaching experience prior to that. Second year was their jumping-off point. And this year is Rick and George, or no, excuse me, Kirby and George's jumping-off point in the second year. And he's poised to do it. The talent is not quite Alabama level, in as such as in Saban's second year, but it's it's much closer now than it was two or three years ago in Athens, you know, or last year in Athens certainly. It's it's just gotten the schedule sets up nicely for Georgia. The talent level is setting up nicely for Georgia. It's time to just compete against yourself, compete against your own expectations for yourself, for your teammates, for your football team, for your program, so that it doesn't matter who it is that's going across the field from you on Saturday. What matters is who's next to you on the sidelines, next to you on the field, that you play to elevate your game and play at such a high level that you are competing against yourself to play at a championship level every week, not have the down weeks 
not have a down game, not have a down quarter, you know, not have a down drive, compete at an elite level. Be it, you know, no matter who you're going against, be it Nickel State, be it Vanderbilt, or be it Tennessee or Florida or Auburn. You you play against yourself. You you compete against yourself to to make sure you maintain championship status, championship level play, and that's that's what it's all about. And when Georgia crosses and Kirby is able to drill that into these kids' heads, so that that's what they're doing, that's when you will see championship hardware come to Athens. Be it SEC East titles, trophies, be it SEC championships. Be it national championships, that's when you will see it happen for Georgia. So they have done that. They they have in that's the whole point of recruiting, folks, to improve the talent of your team, to maintain the talent of your team. That's why recruiting in June is important. If you believe in it or not, you know, that's up to you. But if you're not recruiting in June, you're not gonna get them in February. That's that's the bottom line, and that that's why you know that's what leads me to believe this is the biggest week of Kirby Smart's career in Georgia so far to this point. Obviously, the first week even of the 2017 season is going to be bigger than this week in June, as far as recruiting goes. You know, on the field is what matters the most. But when you got the talent, you got the studs, you got the players to come in and play, it makes getting to that level much easier. And those things happen in June, in July, in August, and also what leads to big time days in February. Big time days in February lead to big time Saturdays in the fall and in the winter. And that's all I've got to say about that. So, to recap, we brought in Zamir White. Announcement, commitment. He says he's done. He says he's not taking any visits. He's not worried about doing anything like that. His decision is final. Uh, he has had, you know, let Georgia know over a month ago. Um, said Georgia's been his leader. I know, I guess his mom said something about they didn't know till last you know, the night before, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll take the kid at his word because it seemed seemed like everybody was absolutely sure that he was coming to Athens no matter what. So I don't think the night before was when they truly made the decision to come to Georgia. Um, so I'll, I'll – but, you know, I'm glad for Mom because yesterday was her birthday. and Happy birthday, Mrs. White. And – uh Hopefully we'll see you in Athens plenty this next four years or three years, and uh, we'll have plenty of things to celebrate. Um, coming up for Georgia, Stefan Wynn will make an announcement on Saturday. Again, Georgia appears to be the favorite. Um, you know, again, Georgia fan, you know how we are. It's, everybody's going to be a little nervous, just, Whenever, until everything is official and everything actually comes out, you know, in the in the public, and he makes an actual public announcement. Um, 
so you know that that's fine. We just kind of got browbeat over the years, I guess, and missing out on some of these big time when the announcements come. Um, June or excuse me, July is kind of poised to be a huge month for Georgia uh, with up to four, maybe six guys making some commitments, making some announcements. Um, I think, again, not to harp on it, but quarterback position is going to be settled out in the next month or so. I think Georgia has made, kind of made it be known that Justin Fields is, you know, the top choice right now. However, you do have a fallback plan. I won't. I don't even like calling him a fallback plan, but you have another five-star quarterback option for Georgia, which is truly insane and is a testament to the recruiting that this coaching staff has done to be in the position to take a third straight five-star quarterback. 16, obviously, was Jacob Eason. 17 last year was Jake Fromm. And Georgia's in the position right now that it looks like they're going to be adding a third consecutive five-star quarterback in either Justin Fields or a Matt Coral from out in, in California. Um, I think the key thing to watch for with, with Fields and Coral is if Obviously, if Fields goes ahead and makes the announcement, I think, you know, that'll be that. If it's still quiet on the commitment front, I think you'll see Matt Coral eventually taking a visit. Probably his entire family will be coming to Athens on the visit. And uh, you know what? If he makes it to Athens and is the first to commit, I don't, I don't know that you – I don't think you turn him away. I, I truly don't. Now, that doesn't mean you shut off communications with, with the fields or with anybody else, for that matter, just in case. But I don't think you allow this kid to make a, you know, to come visit Athens, you know, with his entire family making the trek over. He says he wants to come. He wants to be a Georgia Bulldog, for example. I don't think you say no. I don't think you say no. Let's just wait. We want this other. We got this other kid we're looking at. Uh, we'll get back with you on that. He he's going to be gone. Then you may potentially lose both. Now the key thing: what do you do if Matt Coral says he wants to come to Georgia, and then say two weeks, a month later, Field says he wants to be a Bulldog. I guess that's why Kirby and the staff is making a lot of money. Those are some heavy decisions you got to make. Do you turn down the in-state quarterback who says he wants to to come to Athens? Do you turn away the kid who came all the way from California, fell in love with Athens, says he wants to be a Bulldog first, you know, has made a decision and a commitment to you? What What do you what do you do? I mean, they're both talent-wise. I think you're you're on a you're pretty close. You know, either way you go. 
I don't know that Matt Coral carries the same cache that a that a Justin Fields brings to the table. Um especially in state. Now if Fields was from California and Matt Coral was from the state of Georgia, I think you take Coral hands down. I'm just, you know, it's, it is going to be some really tricky times coming up for Kirby and company if there's still silence from the in-state quarterback and the kid from California decides he wants to be a Bulldog. Speaking of being Bulldogs, Jason Harry Dog has made his way to the program. Man, what you talking about? Dude, you got to get – I deserve a raise. I just carried this thing for 50 minutes by myself. I thought you had somebody else called it in. <laughs> no, I, I didn't get it yet. I posted it on the board. I posted it on Facebook. Man, you should have started tonight. I asked a couple of guys if they wanted to come on, but they were – one guy had a company over, and one guy was cook, grilling out cooking steaks for his mom's birthday. So. That's, what, that's, what, that's what we just did. Oh, really? <laughs> That's why I couldn't do it to another. <laughs> uh, but it's all good. I think I did a good enough job to at least maintain some sense of of uh, normalcy where people could actually, hopefully, could follow along with my ramblings, for God's sake. But Oh, Lord. Uh, I was going on and on, man. It was good. <laughs> You'll have to listen to it. <laughs> but that's my I'll just throw you you just been grilling out I'm going to throw you right in the fire right now look at it I tried to do a little transition and everything you like that? that was good wasn't it? wow um, I'm impressed <laughs> alright tell me this it's silent from the kid in state they're both five stars Kid from California comes over, makes a trip to visit with the entire family, says, damn it, I want to be a Georgia Bulldog. I want to be the next quarterback for the University of Georgia. Do you turn him away until you hear from the other, from the in-state, for the fields, or do you? No, uh, no, man, you take the first one that wants to go. And, but then what happens you, if fields you, says? You tell the in-state guy, look, I got this guy coming from California on such and such date. I just got to know. Yeah. And if you're still undecided by then, then I'm just going to have to take him. Yeah. What if post-visit? I mean, there's a way to do it the right way without, you know, pissing anybody right. off or anything. But the last thing you want to do is turn down a kid from California and then the yeah. in-state kid go somewhere else too. Right. That's what I was That's what I was saying is you, you know, if you turn him down on the visit, if he says he wants to come, you take the chance of losing both of them. So, yeah, you got to, uh, you just got to wear, you know, you, I mean, you got to tread lightly, but you, you just got to wear it the right way. Mm-hmm. Any any chance they both come? I know that's probably the craziest. Yeah. Heck no. <laughs> Even though they're different, I mean, they're, different styles. He, you say you, you, we always talk about it in a good way. Talk about there's no locks in recruiting, but uh, you talk about it in a bad way too. There isn't really a lock. I mean, I guess there's a way it could happen. I guess, but nah, hell no. 
I didn't think so, but I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, all right. If I, I tell you this, if both of them do, then the NCAA needs to make their way to Athens immediately. <laughs> How about that? Because <laughs> we're, we're, if we pull up both of them, we're old missile recruiting. <laughs> Just uh, barbaric, not even trying to hide anything. <laughs> Man. Well, how was your uh, Z day yesterday? Did you Man. Enjoy? We've been on this dude for, what, three years? Yeah. He said... Since ninth grade, George has been his leader. That that was another thing. He well, I mean, says, but we can even say this. I don't think I saw him on any of the pay size or the boards until we put them on ours. And when I usually don't try to brag about crap like that because everybody, you know, I mean, everybody that does this kind of stuff always has their one thing, you know, that they know that they did first or whatever. So, you know, we don't usually try to brag about all that, but. Right. I don't think I saw him anywhere before ours. Yeah. It's only we've been following this dude forever. Yeah. Tell me that. How, what do you think on. Uh, his mom told one reporter they didn't make the decision until the night before. But yet he said he told Kirby he was coming over a month ago, and he said George has been his leader since the ninth grade. Well, I mean, trying to keep I mean, it's the same thing as anybody else. A, a commit's a commit, but when you have everybody after you, you're still going to discuss it. Right. So, I mean, so, you know, of course they discussed it up until the final hour. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure they had discussions up until the last night. Right. Oh, I think it's just trying to read too much into it. I wouldn't even worry anything about that. Right. Um. What uh? I guess should we just what What do you think on what are your thoughts on on the quarterback situation right now? Oh man, there's been a lot, lots and lots and lots of talk <laughs> about Justin Fields the UGA. Yeah, from a lot of different people too, a lot of different sources. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, it didn't just like one rumor or whatever being repeated over and over again. It's it's, it's coming from a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I won't say that we turned Matt Corral away, but I think we, I honestly think and slow playing may not be the best word for it, but I, I, I think Fields is our top choice. Yeah. yeah I, I think we're going to do everything we can to get Justin Fields to EGA. Yeah. Everything's short of just flat out telling Matt Corral no. Right. Um, and in fact, man, I, I thought I'd get paid millions to do it, so it's a good problem yeah. to have. Which five star, which five star quarterback do you want? I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, in either way, think about that. That'll be the third straight year of a five star quarterback in your recruiting class. That's, that's some damn good recruiting going on. Yes. No I doubt. mean, geez. And once again, my, my boy Dale McGee. <laughs> All y'all suckers, whoever it was. 
<laughs> talking about why we hired Dale McGee or he's Dale McGee, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's the lead recruiter on Justin Fields, so. Right. Right. Better not be a damn word said about my boy Dale McGee again. Ever. <laughs> Besides, How'd... when's he getting another race? That's yeah. all that needs to be said about Dale McGee right now. Raising and promotion. I mean, um, you look. I mean, you look at it. Harrion, Swift, mm-hmm. Zeus, and possibly Fields. Right. Come on, man. I mean, that's like that's like Sam Pittman. Too. If he if if McGee pulls Fields, he's the best recruiter on our on our staff, above Pittman, Coley, and everybody. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, yeah. so happy. Right now, so happy I think it's Pittman because he's done a ridiculous job getting these offensive linemen in, and they love him. And I think everybody on our side is under the mentality that we know that, especially in the SEC, ball games are won in the trenches. So I think that's where everybody likes Pittman because he's bringing the boys in and trying to make what is really been known as a weakness at UGA for a while, one of our strengths. So I would, and, and he's pulling the guys in, so I would put Pittman as a top guy right now. And, you know, Coley has a history, and he's recruited great for us, too, and all that. So, I mean, if he pulls fields, man, you you got to put McGee at that top spot as our best recruiter, dude. Yeah. Is Coley on uh, Matt Corral? I think Coley is, you know, of course, Chaney. Okay. Usually usually what we do with uh, Coley is he, you know, of course he gets the South Florida guys because he has the history with them, but I think he, he usually gets the, the coastal guys. So they, you know, they're, to the, they're California and the Florida and all that. Send him to the Sunshine State. Yeah. Because I guess he looks good in, in his shades and his glasses. Um, and I mean, Shuman's she, a dang good recruiter. Yeah, he is. I, th- I think, uh, according to how long Tucker stays, I think, I think, I think. And I mean, this is obviously anything groundbreaking or earth-shaking, but you know, I, I, I think they're prepping Shuman to be the next defensive coordinator. Right. Because I mean, for kind of years, follow- even even before Kirby, you know, even before Rick was fired, and. We were going after Kirby and found out. I mean, Alabama people were talking about shoeing for years before that. Yeah. There was always this dude that was known as, like, the genius behind the defense. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it was of, always shoeing. Kind of been the following in Kirby's footsteps as far as his career path, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, of course that news was new to a lot of Georgia folks just because you don't really pay attention to Alabama that much. But, I mean, Alabama folks have been talking about him for years, for mm-hmm. a long time. When it's says, like, years, like he's been there 10 years because he's so young, but you get the drift. Yeah. <clears throat> I mentioned, I mentioned uh, you know, obviously we got we got Zeus, but Georgia's still in on several other big-time running backs, but we had one today that uh, basically eliminated, uh, and Harold Joyner that eliminated his top two Teams in, on his list in the last couple of days because they brought in. It looks like he eliminated ones. anybody that would give him competition. I don't know, dude. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm, I'm of the mindset, and I put this on the board. And I mean, and not meaning to trash the kids. That's not what we're trying to do. But this is any business or sports or anything. Scared of competition, then you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's like I said, he's an Alabama kid. He 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 must realize anywhere in the SEC that he wants to go is going to have kids as good as or better than him from the jump, you know? Yeah, I mean. And you kind of should want that is what I, my, my point was. I, I would think, I think with you know? everybody having the doubts of him being a running back in the first place, you know, because he's like 6'3", 220 right now. Right. And, you know, a lot of people make the Derrick Henry comparisons. Oh, y'all were saying the same thing about Derrick Henry, blah, blah, blah. But this dude ain't Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> He'll probably go with the with the team that convinces him that he's going to be their running back. You right. know, I mean, I think that's really what it is. Because I mean, if if that wasn't the case, he'd probably be already be committed to Alabama. Yeah, I think all. Uh, it seems like Auburn, that was going to bring him in as an athlete or you know whatever linebacker tight end whatever. If he's yeah. just going to do that. He would already be committed to Alabama. Right. Kind of get the feeling either Auburn or I think he he may even open it back up and make me look at some other schools maybe up north. You know if he wants. No, to. he named Michigan State as leader. Oh really? Okay. And I never visited there. That's what uh, what the two four seven said. The article there says. Huh. All right. Well, there you go. Um, There's my paywall, so I mean. Uh, but I mean, you know, we'll, we'll share it, give them there. What about? Two four seven plug. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I talked about some receivers and and how Georgia needs to elevate, you know, that position to to a championship level. I didn't even know Georgia was really after this kid Chase Cota out of Oregon. Oh yeah, he wants to check it Georgia. out. I think I think he's probably headed staying on the West Coast, but you know, yeah, still on her. To make the top six for a kid like that is. is a pretty good accomplishment in and of itself. Well, I think Alabama. we feel good about the receiver position anyway because see these uh, crystal ball kids coming in for Josh Van to South Carolina. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another one that I, I talked about. You know, you never know what he's going to be doing. He seemed to go back and forth, you know, between Georgia and South Carolina as his leader. Now that you see it, maybe leaning more towards South Carolina, maybe with Kiaris Jackson releasing his top ten or top uh, top eight, that kind of opens up things for him. And uh, whenever, you know, I'll just throw it back out again, you know. Is it Dominic Watt? Is it Marquez Ezard? Kiaris Jackson? You know, is that the three? I think you take at least three this year. You know, or Jalen uh, Jalen Jordan, the six foot five kid. Um, you know, you've got to. Man, it's just hard for me to to overlook. No pun intended. The six foot five size and frame of of, of a uh, the IMG kid. You know where where does Georgia go on, with their receivers? You know in this in this recruiting class. Do what? 
You know, nobody really ever talks about the IMG kid. You know, he's what six five, originally from Georgia. Yeah. I know, we, and I, I know we've been talking to him, but nobody really ever mentions him. It's always you know the inside guys, Desert, Van, and uh, Jackson, like you said. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't know if we're just going to look at taking two. And it's Ezra and Jackson, or if we're talking about three and Vans out and, you know, the six foot five guys in, or um, well, think about a while back, that Perryman, I think he wanted to commit to Georgia. I think we kind of held him off. So, so, I mean, if anything, we feel good about wide receiver recruiting because I think if we recruit a van as hard as, you know, we recruited the others. I think he would probably already be a commit too. Yeah, um, a guy I mentioned in the first hour, a friend of mine texted today. Brian from down here in in, in Glen County messaged me today, texted me talking about, man, I really like this Dominic Watt kid. And I was like, oh yeah, that's another guy we were kind of in on. And said he wants to hear more from Georgia, but you know, I, I, when you always hear them say, when you hear them say. I want to hear more from this school. That kind of lets you think, no, that's probably not one of the, that school's priorities. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I tell you who else is kind of, uh, I mean, I wouldn't use the word worried because it's, it's probably a good thing if it is happening this way, but some of the uh, Texas 247 writers, seem to think that we may not have a spot for Trey Dean. Wow. And, I th- and, and that's where their crystal ball picks came from. Yeah. And if that's the case, the recruiting's going really, really good. <laughs> but how do you, man, even if you and, have... And, and, and I've talked to, and, and I've talked to some of the Georgia guys too, and they don't think that's true. Okay. But I mean, the Texas guys are getting the information from somewhere, right? So you know, they, uh, you know, the couple of Georgia guys I talked to don't think it's true. And I don't really, I don't know, I don't really think it's true. But I mean, they're they're thinking that for a reason. And I mean, that with, I think we'll probably take you know four secondary players, and that combined with. Us trending, man, we're trending big time with Tyreek Johnson right now, five-star DB. Yeah. We're trending big time, big time with him right now. That's the one That's the one thing I didn't really hit on in that first hour was the secondary with uh, and how, how well things have been trending with Tyreek Johnson. But how do you not well, have I'll, be, I'll be honest. He's, he's the one that was rumored to possibly be committing this week. Right. Along with White and Win, right. So that's it. that's who the big rumor was about. Mm-hmm. How do you? But how? Do, it seems like you would have room for because I was trying to calculate some of the class earlier today, and I got up to about twenty, and still had. I don't think I even added Trey Dean at that point. But how, you know, it seems like you would have room unless you just don't want to take you know, two safeties or, or whatever you want to do, or unless I'm oh, missing somebody. That's just that's just what the Texas guys seem to think. And they basically gave that as their reason for putting their crystal ball pick in. Right. 
Right. The only ones guess, that have done it are like Texas writers, the crystal ball to Texas. Uh-huh. I think the Georgia guys still have theirs in for Georgia. And, and, and I mean, I talked to them, and they said they don't think that's true. So, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one that's a weird one. Yeah. Well, Demetric Warren said uh, Texas, so. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> He's, man, I mean, I'm sure he's a good dude. I think I've talked to him once or twice. He's the definition of throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> man. Uh, um, I guess we'll find yeah. that on Dean the end of July, I guess. Yeah. Well, and then Wynn is, uh, Wynn's committing Saturday. Right. Now, that's what I was thinking is July could be, what, up to maybe six, maybe eight commits potentially? Or are we looking at four or what? Um, I'd say four or five probably. Okay. Is the quarter, I mean, tell me, is the quarterback position filled or commitment slot filled by July? Oh, that's a tough one. Because Corral's visiting in July. Right. That's a tough one. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I think, I think, oh, who was it? I think it was Rusty that said, uh, Phil's maybe looking at more like an August or something like that, but I don't know. I, I, I think Georgia has a quarterback commit by the end of July, whether it's, Fields or Corral. Yeah, <clears throat> I I agree. Um, man, how many? How many? I was trying to calculate and figure it up, tally it up. But how many five stars could this class end up having? Um, I think quarterback, could, running back. Lineman is Sawyer close or Hill close to five star? Oh, uh, I mean, could you get up to five five stars in this class? All right, quarterback, running back, Sawyer. Tyreek Johnson. And we're still in it for KJ Henry too. Right. That that's and another one. I'm really... back, Sawyer, Tyreek Johnson. I think Steel would close be to a me. huge surprise. Uh, you gotta look their seals recruiting Britton Cox. Yeah, I mean it could be five. Yep. He, Which is you a know, huge... I would say maximum five. Right. Which is a huge shift in kind of the I think the thought process coming into 18 after last year's class I think was Zeus and probably Salyer and then everything else is gravy after that whereas now there's potential for this class I think to get into the top three top five maybe maybe top three yet again I think I right. think because of numbers it's going to be hard to do top three yeah. I'd say probably top five to seven, I would say. 
Yeah, it just depends on well, the, on who that. Who's how the rankings shape up when they do the re-rankings and all that? Because you know, Wild Goose is like way, way down there right now. And then you got a two-star kicker, so you know that's going to bring it down too. So I'll say right. probably five, seven, you know. But as far as the five-star goes, I'll say if we finish the strongest possible, probably five. More than likely, I would say four. Worst case scenario, three, probably. Yeah. yeah. I just. I, Higher, uh, what is it? The ranking percentage, ranking numbers, or whatever. The per stars per recruit. Will it be higher for this year's class or, or seventeen class? I probably say last year's. Okay. That class was that class was crazy, dude. Yeah. That that class usually you have the normal normal rivals, you know, talking about you know. Tennessee and Auburn and all of them, they're always going to, you know, be talking about Georgia paying this player. We're going to be talking about Auburn paying this player. And Tennessee pays them, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, we're in the spectrum there where Ohio State and Alabama is talking about us, you know, not being on the, on the up and up in recruiting, which is fine with <laughs> me. I'm glad. I mean, just freaking right. doing something right. Right. Like, heck, yeah, yeah, Alabama and Ohio State people are talking about you and not recruiting right. You get them to right. the Clemson talking about you cheating, recruiting, and you 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 hit it, baby. <laughs> um, that was another thing. Uh, the K, you mentioned KJ Henry earlier, and I, I, I think I mentioned him just briefly. Where does Georgia stand with him right now? Is is it? Seemed like for a little while they were they were real a lot of a lot of talk and communication. Seemed things kind of quieted down a little bit, but I think he could be a huge huge piece. And I think he's got to see potential to get on the field next year, don't you think? Any outside linebacker, any outside rusher, that's why nobody's giving up on uh, on Brenton Cox and Adam Anderson, right? Yeah, Anderson Anderson has to see that. Um, I, I would just, probably say right now we get one of those two between Cox and Anderson, probably Anderson. Right. You don't I mean, they're, still, they're still talking about Brenton Cox not necessarily going that far up north. Right. I mean, we can get him back on, if we can get him back on campus, you know, I mean, it might be wishful thinking, but he talked about for a long time how much his family wanted to play close to home. Right. And I know we always that, kind of poop. That, that doesn't just go away. Yeah. And we always kind of, you know, dismiss package deals. But I think when Ezard, if, if Ezard pops for Georgia, I think, you know, the pull of him being there, hey, we've always said we were going to play together, blah, 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 go through this high school season. And then they, you know, Ezra goes ahead and, and, like I said, pulls the trigger here soon, really puts it in his head again to, you know, well, stay it home. Hurt. It won't hurt. No. Definitely won't all. hurt. Unless they just get pissed off at each other and start hating each other all of a sudden, it definitely won't hurt. Yeah. Don't mess with each other's girlfriends. Don't do anything dumb like that. Um, and then inside, there was some talk 
I guess it was a kid that's committed to Syracuse, I, and his name escapes me, but uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But he had said that Georgia told him they're only taking one inside linebacker this year. Would it? Well, be? one reason for that could be Zeus committing to Georgia, in which everybody's like, "Well, he's a running back," but don't forget his best friend's a linebacker in North Carolina is only a freshman. Right. And play. It would absolutely not surprise me one bit to see him transfer and sit out a year and come to Georgia too. Mm. Gotcha. So I, think we, I think we need two inside linebackers. Right. But I, I think that might be where the other one's coming from. I'm not saying it's well, definite. I'm not saying he said he was, but I'm right. just saying it makes sense and, you know, things have been said. Well, we took two or three last year, didn't we, inside guys? And Monty Rice and um, – hold on. Let's see. Well, Hunter's more outside. I thought we took more than – oh, Grant. Is Grant outside or inside guy? Um, I think there's a couple of them that could be either in or out. Yeah, I think Hunter's pretty much strictly outside. Uh, Beal is going to be defensive end outside. But I think Monty Rice coming in is, is a big one in the middle. Especially coming in early, too. Right, and Nate McBride. Not that – I think he gets there on the field. Yeah, I think McBride's your other inside guy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not on the field next year, but uh, or this year, I should say, but being on the field on – Doing a lot of other stuff, special teams, and getting some some spot playing time on defense. I think. Oh man, um, Channing Tindall, could he be the the that one that they take if this other kid from Syracuse doesn't come through? Yeah, he could. I think I think he's probably higher on the list than the kid from Syracuse. That's what I was, I was thinking. Committed to Syracuse, and you got to remember the uh, uh Samoan kid from California is wanting to do a uh, official visit. So I mean, could you know we're probably third or fourth right now at best, but I mean, you right. never know once you get them on campus for those officials. I wonder if they would try to not that they know each other necessarily, but I wonder if they would try to get Corral and. Uh, and that kid on campus at the same same visit, same weekend. Oh, I definitely would. Yeah. I definitely would. And, I mean, you just you just never know when you get people on their official, especially if we're paying players like Alabama and Ohio State and all the other things we're doing now. Yeah, everybody's saying everything now. <laughs> Dude, we're suing everybody, baby. <laughs> um, talk a little bit on the 19 class, there's been lots of talk about kids decommitting from Georgia, other kids coming in. Um, talk a little bit, I guess the main one right now is uh, Nolan Smith. There's tons of people saying looks like he may be looking around a little more, you know, saying everything. He is committed to Georgia still, but I don't know. Well, I, think, I think he's going to want to get recruited some and have, you know, enjoy it. I still think he ends up coming back to Georgia in the end. 
I think yeah. he opens it up and gets recruited as, you know, Scout has him as the number one recruit in the nation now. Oh, and wow. um, it's 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 different being recruited as a, you know, top five player in the nation and being recruited as, you know, a rising, you know, junior and all. It's it's different. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, let him get recruited a little bit. I, I still think he ends up staying and uh, playing at UGA. Whether he decommits or not. Yeah, I mean, he might decommit, but, you know, these guys that commit so early, a lot of times they do now anyway. That's not just a Georgia thing. Right now, with the 19 class, I would almost say it just, it almost isn't even worth talking about it yet. <laughs> There's going to be so many kids that are committed right now, they're going to go somewhere else. Some that everybody says is pushing kids somewhere else that could still end up at Georgia in the first place. They could still. It ain't even worth talking about it right now, to be honest. Yep, you just never knew. Because what you say tonight is going to probably change 20 times between now and, what, a year and a half from now, more? Yeah. Um, Dude, it'll change 20 times from now until (laughs) then. Ain't no telling, dude. I'll I'll, I'll give you one for 2018 that I'm in. I've just kind of... I may have him, you know, as a higher priority than than some, but I think the Sandridge kid is a real difference maker along the line of scrimmage on defensive line. Are you talking about Sandridge out of North Carolina? Yeah, 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 North Carolina guy. Yes, man. I I I really want to get this kid in this class, man. Um, You know, bring him, get him on board. He's got a believe the big push with him was, was when Kirby brought in Trey Scott for a defensive line coach. They kind of had a, a a relationship already established. And then when yes, Scott yeah. got to Athens, it kind of took off from there. Man, I think if you can bring in Wynn, uh, Sandage, and uh, Oh, McCall's teammate, Walter, is that how you say it? No, Walter. Walter. Uh, yeah, however you say it. If you can do them three as your defensive lineman this year, man, you do that and call it a day. Yeah, because I think all three of those kids could play inside or outside, if you don't know the truth of it. I think it brings a lot of versatility to to your defensive line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you can get them and a couple of edge rushers, man, you do that and just call it a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the kids from last year's class were still waiting on. I guess Notori is in now, right? Or will report in July. that is correct. Okay. Uh, I think, I think so- Notori and Bill make it. Notorious and Beal, you said? Yeah, and I think Wyatt's just so quiet. I don't think right. anybody knows, but I would say it probably isn't looking good for him. I wouldn't think. Yeah. I mean, nobody said anything. There's, there's right. got to be a reason. Yeah, I'm hoping hoping to get him in because I'd love to get him in that strength and conditioning program right off the bat and – with that kind I mean, of athleticism, he is. Let's just flat out reading tea leaves 
saying that it isn't looking good for him just because <laughs> just because nobody's saying anything. Right. Or either he snuck in and nobody said anything and nobody knows. I mean, who knows? Yeah. There's still time. I would imagine it's probably test scores most likely, or we're not talking clearing out stuff with those guys, right? I think Notori I think, may have been, but I think the other Bill. Team. I think Bill was ACT. I don't. I think Wyatt. You know, everybody pretty much knew Wyatt had academic concerns from the get go. So, and right. then, I'm not sure if Notori was anything to do with grades or not. Right. The only thing I think with Wyatt, I think it's just because he didn't realize the significance of, of academics getting into college. I mean, I know that sounds really odd, but I don't think it was really his focus. And when he did buckle down and, and really focused on it, you know, he his grades and everything shot up. So well, the a lot of these kids, are, it was just never a priority. A lot of these kids hurt themselves before their senior years. Right. And then they basically put themselves in the position, since it's like a sliding scale, to where they had to come up with some ridiculous test score. Right. That if they came up with that test score, they could get into Stanford if they wanted, basically. Right. And you, and you it's can't... Not that it's not that they're stupid or anything like no. that. It's just that they just didn't pay attention to grades in, in the beginning. And by the time they figured out oh, dang, I might be able to play college football or mm-hmm. play a catch-up. Yeah, that's one thing. If any recruits are listening to us or listening to us in the future, listen to this podcast, don't wait. You can't make it up your senior year, guys. If you're an eighth grader or whatever starting out, just about to start high school and you have any aspirations of playing college football, you can't make it all up your senior year. You know, you've got to at least, you know, just maintain a C or B all throughout freshman, sophomore, and, and everything else, and you'll be fine. But you can't make well, it all And my thing is, I mean, yeah, they're kids, but, I mean, actually three things. Number one, we're the parents and all this. Right. Number two, we're their coaches and all this. Mm-hmm. And number three, we're the school counselors and all this. Exactly. And I think a lot of it may come down to just, you know, schools being underfunded and not having enough teachers and coaches not getting paid enough and teachers not getting paid enough, counselors not being there, not having enough counselors, them not getting paid enough. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it has a lot to do with that. And then, you know, I mean, you got a lot of them that have single mothers. And, you know, you're so many of these kids, you know, I'm doing this for my mom, I'm doing this for my mom. Right. That, you know, they're trying to just work and keep food on the table to keep the bills paid. and you know, that's all they have the energy or time for, and, you know, the kids' grades are slipping. So, I mean, you know, they got to get that help along the way, too. They are still kids. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's why, that's why when, that's why I defend them a little bit, at least a little bit, when you get these guys like Kenyatta Watson, like people like trashing, and even, 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 even ball, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, everybody might think LeVar Ball's an asshole. <laughs> but he's raised his kids. All three of them will probably be paying, playing in the NBA. He's there. He's raised them. He's been there for them. Maybe too much. He might talk too much. He might run his mouth too much. But, I mean, 
He's really seems to be successful. Right. And his kids have never had any problems with it. I mean, I mean, I've seen a couple of skirmishes on the court, but it looked like it was the other team. So, I mean, they really they had had any issues getting in trouble, any of that. That's why I'm like, ooh, I want to cut him a little slack because he's doing a lot better than some of the others. Yeah. Although exactly. he is an area big mouth. Yes, Lord. And I guess I'm the only freaking one on our website that likes him. You like him? I love him, man. He's great. <laughs> Come on, man. How can he not? He's he's entertaining, I'll say that, but he gets on my nerves. He's not doing anything but taking advantage of the publicity that all these idiots give him. Yeah. I think he's smart. Jason, Jason's going to have him some... Big time baller shoes next next week. Man, <laughs> some of the three hundred dollar kicks, baby. Y'all, y'all know about the big ballers. <laughs> the big baller, baby. <laughs> oh god, it's uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I guess speaking of basketball, segment. Looking pretty decent as far as renovation goes so far. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna look pretty good. Certainly I like needs the uh, I like the renderings of it that they put out. So the black seats did look good. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, I think good. we shared that picture on the board where mm-hmm. uh, where they already have a lot of the black seats in, and then the black top that's gonna hold the scoreboard, the new scoreboard. So it looked. I think it's gonna look good, blacked out like that. Yeah. Yeah, like it's about time. Um, hopefully, it'll help boost the get more people in the seats when their games are going on. But um, ah, you know my view on that. Oh yeah, we there ain't gonna be more people in the seats until one we start running a different offense that people want to come to see. Or two until we hire a new coach and start winning some ball games. And I think yeah. those two things coincide with each other. Yeah, I agree. Because it's not going to be. I don't think he did himself any favors by letting Coach Coach Roseman go or Coach Yaw. No, come on. Here's, here's the thing, though. If you're going to be mediocre, you better at least be fun to watch. Right. So if you're going to be mediocre and still run the slow-paced freaking offense that we run, then just nobody wants to see it. But, I mean, if you have the athletes that we have, you might as well just start running. I mean, God, we had the depth. We had the athletes. Let's run it. Right. Play up to their strengths. I agree. Um. I mean, then the New York Knicks, it says it was mutual, but the Knicks basically just fired Phil Jackson because the game that surpassed him. Yeah, I think he just. I think he also felt like he could just step into New York and have everybody line up to come play for him too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm much more to prefer Phil Jackson the coach. Yeah. Yep. 
And then how uh-huh. do they let him do the draft and pick his players and then get rid of them? <laughs> yeah, that, that's my, an interesting thing. My, my best friend is from New York, so he's like a big Knicks fan. And he's just pissed right now. Oh, my God, he's so pissed. Well, at least they got rid of him before free agency starts, though. Man, I've been on. My best friend, his name is Jason, too. So his kids call me JB. So they, you know, just don't get it confused, Jason and Jason. So anyway, man, I've just been ripping Jason. Oh my God! <laughs> Calling him, uh, asking him about drafting Frenchie, and oh my God, man! Hell, he tried to inquire about the teams about trading Porzingis. The best thing you got going for your program for your, for your franchise. And they called him over if he hadn't walked yet. So you just kept him. Want to trade Porzingis? Picked up a French point guard that is like not even scoring great on his team. Don't even have good stats on his like French team. Yeah. And then in the second round, paid another point guard. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of Knicks fans are relieved at this point. Could be. How about the uh, Clippers? What do they do now? They just traded Chris Paul to the to the Rockets. Get every trade everybody and start over. Yeah, I think Griffin's I think, probably gonna. I think he I think the free agent to Griffin's probably gonna be gone. You might as well get rid of DeAndre Jordan at that point. Right. Just picks and does Doc Rivers stay and and allowed to rebuild it himself or does he move on somewhere yeah, he's, else? He's a, He's a Phil Jackson type coach. He, he only comes a superstar. Yeah. That's why I've never been sold on like even Phil Jackson as a coach. Because I mean, you can pretty much put anybody out there with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and all of them, and then go coach Kobe and Shaq on the same team, right? And win championships. I mean. Now, that's easy yeah. to say, but Jesus Christ, I mean, what play do you call? Give the ball to 23. <laughs> I mean, that's not hard. That's why, I'm not, that's why I was never high, and people hate me for this. A lot of people hate me for this. I never thought Bobby Cox was a good coach. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he may have been a player's coach, and they may have loved him. But as far as coaching, how... Did we not win five or six champions? How were we not a dynasty with the team right. that he had? Especially pitching. You always talk about pitching wins. Oh, my God. Glavin, Madison, Smith on the same <laughs> staff back then? And, I mean, hey, and you, that's not a hard call to make. Hey, Maddox, go get him. Right. Well, then. Jesus Christ. Come seventh, eighth inning. You know, I'd rather have Maddox at eighty-five percent, eighty percent, than I would have Greg McMichael at a hundred percent. Man, I'm telling you, my mom almost disappointed me for talking bad about Bobby Cox. <laughs> I'm serious, man. <laughs> she was absolutely ready to just just disown me. She was like, "You're bad son." <laughs> How dare you talk about Bobby Cox? And I was back when he was coaching, and I was like, I don't like him. He's not good. 
Oh yeah. my God, we almost fought over that, dude. <laughs> well, to recap, it, it was actually funny. My mom, me and my mom are just so much alike, dude. So people don't take this the wrong way, but you know, of course, everybody knows she died from cancer in April, and so like. You know, and I was, you know, I moved in with her and was actually taking care of her and everything. And, like, you know, she sat there laying, I had to bring, you know, we had to bring, like, the hospice bed to the living room, you know, in the end there. And she sat there in the living room in a hospice bed, and I was like, well, you want me to call Bobby Cock and tell him he sucks? <laughs> and she's like, man, it has all the, you know, the chemo and, you know, just cancer and lost so much weight and couldn't eat and sick. And I'm sitting there picking on her about Bobby Cox. And, man, that's one of the last times I saw her sit up in bed when I talked about Bobby Cox. <laughs> she gave me that look like she was still with my butt, dying from cancer on her, on her basically on her deathbed. <laughs> man, I thought about Bobby Cox. She was ready to throw down. <laughs> uh... Yeah, it's uh, he's definitely a one that you've got your big time pro Bobby Cox camps, and then you got ones that are kind of like you just said. How, how do you not win more? Yeah, and and I like him as a person. He's a great guy. I was actually uh, helping coach like one of the girls' softball teams. And uh, they had a big high school tournament here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember. We just didn't have a game that day. or I think we had won and we were waiting. Anyway, I was there and ended up sitting with Bobby Cox for two games and talking to him and hanging out with him while his daughter played. <laughs> and so he's a great guy. I mean, he's nice as he can be and just sat there and yeah. talked to me, and I was like, well, I don't want to bother you while she's playing, you know. I'll go on. He's like, oh, no, 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 stay here, stay here, get a hot dog. <laughs> so yeah, he's, man, he's yeah. nice, and I like him, and I didn't tell him he sucks, but well, <laughs> I, I was nice. Be, <laughs> I met him and got a picture with him in Jacksonville, of all places. Um, the family and I were going to Best Buy, and we were walking out, and he was walking in the – we were, like, leaving the store, and he was passing us in the parking lot. And I looked. <laughs> I just looked, and I was like, Bobby Cox? <laughs> he, looked, he stopped, like, hey, yeah. I was like, whoa. I was like, I was like what's going on? I said, what are you doing down here in Jacksonville? He's like, oh, we're staying over at Amelia Island and uh, just hanging out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's like, well, can I get a picture real quick? <laughs> he's like, yeah, sure. So we're all – it, it it was so fun. I could tell it was him by the walk. Because he'd see him walk from the dugout, you know, the Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. his knees he's, were so... Because so, he's kicking dirt all over the place. Yeah, and his his knees were so jacked up and everything. I think he got <laughs> replacements. And you could just tell, man, it was him. And I was like, oh, my God. I just It, it was pretty, pretty freaking cool. But... Uh, I, mean, I think some of the new people probably hadn't heard this yet, so... I might as well tell it again. My uh, Vince Dooley story. Where I took I took my nephew to his first UGA game. It was Todd Gurley's first game against Buffalo. And he uh, ran that kick, ran the kick all the way back and all that. 
And uh, after the game, we were going, uh, went to the top of the parking deck and rode the elevator down. And we were trucking it towards the elevator. The door started to close. And this older guy held the door open for us. I mean, he held it open for a good while, too. I mean, we didn't, he just saw us running towards it. So he's like, you know, hold it open. End up, it was freaking Vince Dooley. It was just me and the nephew of Vince Dooley on the elevator after he held the door for us. And so he rode it down with us and was talking to us and walked us to our car. And so we hung out with Vince Dooley for a few minutes. That's funny. I'm, I actually met him as well at the um, the Hyatt in Atlanta during the SEC championship when Georgia played LSU. And it was after the um, – it was on a Friday night. It was after the – you know how they honor like a player from every – you know, at the SEC dinner, and sure enough, I was. We were walking around. We stayed there, and uh, we were walking around. And I saw Vince Dooley, and I was like, you know, you know, Coach, it's great honor. You know, big honor to meet you and everything. I wonder if I could get a get a picture with you. And we were shaking hands at the time when I was saying it. And he's like, well, sure, you know. And so we were in the lobby of the Hyatt, and he walks over to this one section. Then he says something, oh, no, no, let's not go here. <laughs> he was looking for lighting and stuff. But the whole time he's still holding my hand. <laughs> so <laughs> he leads me around the Hyatt lobby by the hand for about 500 feet, walking back and forth in the lobby. And I was like, all right, cool. Anybody else would have been like, hey, get your hands off. Well, like, <laughs> well, he's in his 20s, you know. So, you know, it was his first UGA game. And so he didn't know at first, and we got in the elevator. I was talking to him, and I was like, all right, Chase, uh, you want to meet Vince Dooley? And he was like, yeah, where do we go? I was like, won't you shake his hand right now? <laughs> <laughs> his eyes got big, and his mouth just dropped. He didn't know what to do. He was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was awesome, man. I try to, you know, he's... <sighs> He doesn't act. What is he? He's got to be what mid eighties now. He doesn't act. He did certainly then. I was about what five years ago, I guess. But man, he, he looked healthy, sharp as hell, man. Yeah, he looked the new healthy and just yeah, he's on top of it, dude. Yeah, and and Barbara seems to be the same way. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm I, I'll have, I have another story about her, but I have to tell you in private. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, I get it back to uh, the recruiting in Georgia football. Of course, we're talking about Vince Dooley, but last thing yeah, I guess Georgia podcast. I'm talking about Vince Dooley, baby. Exactly. Was was this the biggest week for Kirby Smart to date? Hey, that was a great article, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah, it got it got the a few people talking on on some other blogs and sites and stuff, so that was kind of fun. I thought I'll it was kind of it's, funny, actually. I say it's close. Yeah, and I it's, and that's, that was my point. Close. It this I, is the biggest I week think, to date. It's, it's obviously not bigger than upcoming games this year or anything like that. Uh, I think you I think you gotta go. 2017 National Signing Day week was probably bigger. Mm-hmm. But as far as like 
individual weeks that aren't like special weeks like game days or like national signing day, I would say either yes or a close second to Jacob Eason. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah, we just have like regular, you know, non-game day, non-special day, you know, yes. Yeah. Yep. Because, number one, man, Zeus, dude, is a special bat. I've been trying to tell people that they don't like it because they love Todd Gurley. <laughs> but this dude's, better, this dude's better than Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb coming out of high school. Yeah. And people get I mean, pissed when they hear that. Don't talk about Gurley and Chubb. They didn't put Gurley and Chubb down. They were great. This dude is like, it's a, it is through the possible once-in-a-generation type running back. Right. Right. That's exactly what I put in there. Is I feel like, you know, he's a generational type of back. And if – I'm telling you, all those people, everybody that said, oh, they don't care about recruiting or, you know, it's June, we still haven't even signed him, let Zamir White yesterday come out and put on an Ohio State hat or an Alabama hat or a North Carolina hat how many of those same people would have been absolutely livid at the fact that Georgia let this kid get away? Georgia was his leader for three years. Every, Virtually every recruiting expert and analyst had him go into Georgia. Let him have taken picked another hat on that table, and those same people would have cared a hell of a lot more about recruiting yesterday in June, you know, re- June recruiting. Than they than they were talking about recently, I mean that that would have been a a gut shot to the program. If well, I'll tell you this, and, and we we hit on this earlier. You know, like we said, the Tennessees and the Auburns and all that we're always talking crap to each other, and, and you know you're doing something right when they're talking about you because they're worried about you, right. And even pulling Jacob Eason, even pulling Isaiah Wilson, the Alabamas and the Ohio State's weren't talking about us until now, until we pulled these. Right. Now mm-hmm. they're talking about it. Now they're like, oh, UGA's cheating this, watch UGA this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so now they're talking about us. Now they're realizing that, that Sleeven Giant, if, if Kirby can win on the field this year, yeah. Uh, some other folks might be in trouble. Yeah. We got to win on the field because, dear God, we've already been known for bringing in top talent year in and year out and and just squandering it. That, that, I mean, like it or not, yeah. it may not be as true as people want to make it out to be. It might be other problems. But like it or not, that's what we're known for. Right. And it's still working against us because, you know, Kirby Smart's first year and that's the second year. That's still working against us. Mm. And he went on the field this year, watch out. Right. But we we well, absolutely had to prove it on the field. Right. Well think about it. who who was the last program that had that kind of of reputation? I mean it was a damn term for it. It was called Clemsoning. Where you would always end up Screwing up one or two games well, every year. Now they've made it what? to the playoffs and they have their national championship, so 
Exactly. They got the man, talent on the team that they need. Exactly. You got a guy, a young. Whether you like it or not, the truth is just the truth. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ, if it was somebody else and hadn't won a championship in that long, we would absolutely be destroying them. Mm-hmm. Probably worse than they're destroying us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. You know, not to discredit anything Mark Rick did because I think he was great for UGA's program. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think he did advance us from where we were. But that's what we're known for right now is squandering the talent. So, you know, of course, that's why he got fired. That's why we had a new coach in. And now it's his job to prove it on the field. And this year is the year for him to do that. So we absolutely have to. And then the Alabamas and Ohio State will be really worried about us. Yeah. So even even people outside of Georgia, people that don't live in Georgia, they're not a Georgia fan, they don't live in Georgia, don't have any connections to Georgia, even they know that UGA is a sleeping giant with the talent that we've always had, the talent that's in Georgia, the, you know, the facilities and all They even know that Georgia's been a sleeping giant for a long time. Right. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that. Well, that's why they always, even, you know, when you hear national shows, you know, national reporters, you know, callers from other parts of the country calling into national shows, when they talk about SEC, they always say, you know, your Alabamas, your LSUs, and then they usually say either Auburn or Georgia. They don't usually say Florida, despite, you know, whatever the reputation is for Georgia or whatever's happened on the field in the last few years. Georgia's still held in that high of an echelon of a program. They always get considered to be, you know, in that upper echelon of the SEC, upper echelon of, of college football. One of the, the still almost feel it like it's a, a, a blue blood, blue blood or a royalty type program. So if you could, if you could get that on the field product to where everybody thinks it should be in in most of the country's mind then, yeah, it, it's it's right there for the taking, you know. You can, yeah, you we're, can... we're always in that top list, and then there's always an asterisk afterwards. There's always right. a but. We don't have the, the hardware to back it up. So, and people may get pissed off, but, I mean, it is what it is. So even if it is, you know, overblown, and sometimes your perception is your reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I get pissed off when people talk about it and bring it up and throw it in my face. But I mean, why prove them wrong? <laughs> right. We can't right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, basically, all we can say is, "Yeah, ha you got me. We fired our coach for that. So at least we're trying." You know. <laughs> and then you come back with Tennessee isn't even trying. They're keeping charging. Butch around, so they're not even trying. You just kind of deflect instead of prove them wrong. I mean, that's really all you got. Right. I mean, what else you got? Well, we had Herschel. Yeah. So, I mean, prove them wrong. Yep. All right, man. Well, tell you what, just to kind of let everybody know the plans, we will be off next week. 
with the Fourth of July, you know, right around, you know, the, the, the day after Fourth of July, so everybody still be having fun with fireworks, I'm sure. Anyways, well, they're they're in like a but, dead period right now anyway with recruiting, so it's going to be yeah. kind of slow anyway. They got the uh, quarterbacks and receivers, tight ends all showed up for the opening today, so we'll have that. You know, we'll have yeah. that covered, but the opening is really what's going on right now. Yeah. But uh, podcast-wise, we'll be off next week. But that following week, the 12th, we will pick back up weekly every Wednesday from 8 to 10 because um, you're kind of getting in that stretch run. I think SEC Media Days, are are they next week? Week after? Week after, I, maybe. I, think, I can't remember. I think that's right. So we'll pick up with that. And then that's when all – that's kind of when the kickoff to college football is, kind of the SEC Media Days, you know. Then you, your fall camps will start into July or August, into August. Um, you know, kids report back to school in August. Um, end Who do we have at SEC Media Days? Do what? Who do we have at SEC Media Days? Uh, I don't know if they if they announced the players yet. I'm predicting Bellamy, Chubb, and Eason. Maybe Sony? Maybe win. Maybe. Bellamy and win. Yeah. We're going to go to Bellamy Chubb and win. All right. I'll say Bellamy definitely. He's he's one of the better talkers on the team. I'll go Bellamy, Sony, and Eason. I think they need. I think they need Eason to kind of take that next vocal vocal leadership step and be one of the media guys and stuff like that too. Something I've been thinking about. So, um, all right, man. Glad you got on board with us. Uh, glad to be back this week. We will be back again. Like I said, two weeks from tonight, and we'll pick up weekly. Hit up the boards. The all the articles, fieldstreetforum.com. Check out the Classic City Chat for all the latest discussion and news. Uh, fieldstreetforum.com, Field ST Forum on Facebook and Twitter. Hit me up at the Real Dre on social media. And uh, oh man, anything else, Jason? No sir. All right. Till two oh, weeks from tonight. Go dogs. See you.